0: And uh, a lot of our teachers and ki- family members, when it's a long weekend, they take that opportunity to disappear. So um, they work very hard during the week, as many of you do. But, uh, so we have what we call remix, and we simplify our worship uh, at day and uh, where we normally have breakfast. We, we let all those teams off for the week and give them a, a Sabbath, a Saturday Sabbath rest. And also our children's and teens leaders, they also get a rest. Um, so if you're visiting us today or our guest today haven't been here or haven't been for a while, that's why today's a little different. But you're always very welcome back next week from 9.45. Guaranteed there'll be uh, some community out there, some breakfast to be served, and we'll meet back here at 10.30 as always. There'll be kids groups. I've been looking at Ivy here dancing. I don't know if you could see her. Some of you probably couldn't. Beautiful dancing, Ivy. I wish I could dance like that. I'm a hopeless dancer, but you are amazing. But, you know, I think, you know, if we think back through the week, maybe there's been some challenges and some tough times for some of us. But when we, when we see a beautiful young girl dancing, you know, we catch a glimpse of God again, don't we? We capture a glimpse of, of God and the beauty um, that God has given to us in nature, around us, in family and in friends. And um, we're just amidst the heavy load that maybe some of you are carrying, just encourage you to seek out you know, where God is still at work. And I saw God at work in you, Ivy, this morning as you danced there to that song. Thank you to our team leading us in our, our worship this morning. I was just mentioning to michael that last song was a michael w smith song and he was a key singer christian singer when i was michael's age and he actually even knows him so i'm impressed uh, for how wonderful it is to worship god here at refresh this last month we've been covering a series how to get what i really want how to get what you really want and today wraps up our series um so I asked the question to myself, what did I want? And I'm trying to think back in the, in, the, in my mind and I came back to high school and the thing that jumped out to me the most in high school was these. When I was in high school, now this was the closest I could get to, but the ones I wanted were black with white stripes. These Adidas shoes, I put up, you know, 1980s shoes in, 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 in Google, and the only way I could find it was actually putting the word vintage, so I don't know what that says, but <laughs> these are vintage Adidas shoes, so I'm now vintage, makes me all that much more special, doesn't it? But I desperately wanted black Adidas shoes with white stripes, they were the thing when I was in high school. I don't know if any of you of my vintage remember them, but where I grew up, they were the thing to have. Now, I I know money wasn't, you know, falling off the trees when I was a kid. But I do remember eventually, and I don't know how, I did eventually end up getting a pair of these shoes. How remarkable. Now, if I'd have thought they were that amazing, you would think I would still have them in the cupboard today and be able to actually pull them out and show them to you. But I remember by the time I got to college, by the time I finished school, Reeboks were the thing that came up over the ankle. And, um, you know, if you think flash dance and all that kind of look, that kind of thing was coming in. And my Adidas ones, well, they actually wa- weren't what I really wanted by then after all. Going down th- uh, or up, whichever way <laughs> you want to look at it, in my life, I think then w- some other aspects of my life, what I really wanted. And I can certainly say in my upper teens, into my 20s, I really wanted a number of relationships there were a few guys that, over time, caught my eye, made my heart beat a little faster. And um, I have to say, I really, really thought they, he, was who I wanted. I must say, somewhere along the way, in in, in those that period of my life, um, it ended that... He wasn't who I really wanted after all. And in some some cases, I wasn't who he wanted. And then when I was a young adult, in my upper 20s, I I started out my profession as a teacher. And um, I was always a little unsettled in that space. But there was a season of my life, and a part of it was the people that I was associating with at the time, I thought, actually, what I really want is the corporate scene. That must be really cool. I was living in Sydney at the time, and I thought, hey, to be able to dress up in a suit, go to Kew and buy some amazing suit and, um, and the heels and the briefcase and catch the train and do the commute and work in an office, that must be Awesome that's what I really want. Well, I did that. I left my PE clothes behind because I'd been teaching PDHP at the time. Watch out, Dustin. I got rid of my my trackies and and I, I replaced it. In fact, just letting you know, I was just looking at my cupboard yesterday and thinking, man, there's a few too many trousers in here. And I pulled a pair out and I'm like, They're my cue pants from when I started corporate work. They're still in my cupboard. So they have lasted more than a few decades, which is quite amazing. Or not quite, almost. Um, Maybe the fashion will come around again and I'll be able to pull them out. Ladies, do you do that? (laughs) But you know what? It took me a whole four months to realise this is not what I want not what I want at all. You know, in our series, we were saying, sometimes what we really want turns out these things this way. If we always get our way, sometimes we actually lose our way. And I can vouch for that in some of the relationships that I ended up in. If we always do what we want we often end up where we don't want to be. And I did not want to be in that office, but in a very roundabout strange way, I got a job in that office and Mark happened to work there. And, uh, and well, now we're married. So maybe God had a plan for that four-month corporate life. If we get what we want now, now, immediate, the microwave thing, you know, now, we may not get what we really want later. You see, sometimes we get what we think, but it wasn't what we really want, and we get disappointed. We've talked about over the series that it's what we sometimes naturally want. It's our human nature, that, that impulse, that desire, that, that natural thing that's in us to want, but actually conflicts, with what we really want. We also talked about what we immediately want right now, right this moment, often conflicts with what we ultimately want down the track. And so we talked about the fact that to get to the point of knowing what we really want, we need to discover what we actually value. We talked about value. And last week, Simo talked about A eulogy, writing your own eulogy, like what would you like to be remembered for? What would you like said when your day is done about you? And the challenge for us to take that time to think, what is it? Is it that we were a great teacher or a great corporate person? Or is it more about our character and who we are, who we were as a person? It takes us deeper Takes us deeper. When we ask the question, what do I value? It takes us deeper. I like this thought. We talked about this before, uh, your legacy, but uh, I like this thought if we just park for a minute, you know, and you think about what you really want, and we think about the natural and the immediate to what we ultimately want. If I, if I just want to draw out the gentleman in, in our group this morning and think, if you are thinking about or you are a father, whether your child is yet or little or older, when you think about your children, what do you really want? And I could suspect that one of the things that you really want is when your child gets old enough to make their own choices, you would really want them to respect you as father. That you would really want them to go, you know what, I don't have to listen to my dad anymore. I don't have to actually hang out with my dad anymore. But I want to. I think ultimately, men, that's what you really want. For your children. And that's what you really want for yourself. And when you park that and you think about that being what you really want, it may change what you do now, your immediate. Students, what about you guys? What about you that are still at school? And you think about what you really want. You might actually think, actually, I would really want to be an awesome employee one day or own a business. I want, to, I want to be able to contribute to society in a positive way. And so when you think about that, that possibly, if you park that, might actually impact what you do now. You see, when we ask the question, what do I value, it brings the bigger themes of our lives front and center. And we talked about over a few weeks ago how often that what we value is lurking in the shadows. It is pushed back in a way because culture that we live in actually don't p- doesn't promote that. Culture that we live in and media and our work environments and our schools, they tend to push don't put value at the forefront. What's at the forefront is more about what is natural and what is immediate. So when we discover what we really value, we are less prone to settle for what we merely want now for for some of you here, you may not uh, you may not say you're a Christian. you might be in a journey where uh, God and you are far apart and we're just so glad you're here today. Or you may uh, be growing up a Christian but feel disconnected. Um, but here in our in a Christian community, in a Christian community, many of you will be asking this question and some of you, if you're yet to discover God, might ask this question too. What does God really want? What does God really want? And, you know, sometimes we get the last two words a little mixed up. Sometimes we think, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? But you know what? We all have or have had parents. And ultimately, your parents, our parents, don't want things from us, they want something for us. And that's the same with God. God says, uh, we can ask this question and say, what does God really want for me? For me. Last week, Simo talked about a verse, Galatians five twenty two and 23, that you can find in the Bible in a small letter towards the end of the Bible written by uh, a man named Paul. And it talks about these words. For some of you very familiar things, that these words here, when we think about what we value, we think about the legacy we'd like to leave behind, some of these things might just pop up. These may be things that come to mind when we take the time to think about what we really want. And yet, this is what God wants For me and for you too. You see, what you were created for is connected to who you were created by. You see, what God really wants for you is probably not that far away from what you really want. The world that we live in, it's a bold statement to say, but I truly believe the world in and of itself cannot give, cannot give you and I what we really and ultimately want. You see, you think about the world, and the world in general is designed to distract us the Bible starts with creation story. The Christian Bible starts with the creation story and then no sooner do you turn the page we see Eve standing under the tree that in the Bible God has put in the garden to give the freedom and the power of choice but we see Eve lurking under the tree distracted And then the story goes on. She is distracted by a serpent, a snake, trying to persuade her that right now, Eve, this is what you really want. And her natural, maybe. She was perfect, so a bit tricky. But her immediate was... And she lost sight of the ultimate. And the, the, the story goes that Eve partook of the fruit and in that in doing that had made a choice. And her choice was to trust, put her trust in self rather than her creator at that very moment in time. And we can see that the immediate distracted her from the ultimate. You see, the world is distracting and it robs us from what we really want. The world is actually, the society that we live in is about two words, two words, upgrades and experiences, upgrades and experiences. And we can all relate to this. You think about the conversations that you have with your friends. Think about the conversations you might have at parties or downtime. The conversations you might have when you meet up with someone that you haven't seen for a while. Or your girlfriends when you get together. And often the conversation revolves around experiences and upgrades. What have you recently experienced that's fantastic? Just cast your thoughts to Facebook. And it's all about experiences and upgrades and you think everybody's life is amazing because they've just had an awesome experience or got a new upgrade in some facet of their lives you see the world promises us that those experiences and upgrades will satisfy but we know all too well I say this to my boys all the time but it is as relevant to me that when they get that next Hot Wheels car the one 1,127,699th one Hot Wheel car, that after a day, it will just be with all the other Hot Wheels cars and it, that, that desire to have that Hot Wheels car will have melted away the specialness. You think about those conversations, how little the conversations we have relate to character and legacy. You think even about our work environments. You know, we are taught to work and we are taught to produce. Schools teach us these things and I'd like to think North Pine and a number of other schools that that hold a Christian value actually do take hold of, you know what, that's important. It's important to to contribute to society and to be able to, to, to get a good job if that's what you want. But, but they go over and above to say what you value is more important. So we're going to finish off today with the answer, well, something for you to ponder. How do we? How do we actually get what we really want? How? And we're going to go back to the writings of Paul, who is an author of the the New Testament, as we have mentioned before. He started out as a Christian hater. He was a a Jew. In fact, he was an important Jew called a Pharisee. And as we have mentioned before, um, he was actually a very powerful agent in trying to actually terminate Christianity. But he had an experience, which I'll refer to a little bit later, where his life did a 360 or a 180, I suppose you'd say, a 180. And he actually became a Christian. And as passionate as he was to stop Christianity, he became passionate for the church, for God. And he wrote a letter, I- which we've referred to in this series already, to, bro- to, to Christians in Rome. Something I didn't mention a few weeks ago is Rome is about 2,000 kilometres from Palestine, from from where a lot of the the earliest part of the Bible is based. And so 2,000 kilometres for us today, that's not so far. That's not that far. That's a few days' drive, perhaps. But 2,000 kilometres back in Bible times was a fair distance and yet from palestine to rome in just around 27 years from when jesus had died and rose again and gone to heaven there were already many christians in rome that that the 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 the, the movement of christianity was was already was already on on the go And although Paul had not been to Rome, he writes a letter to these Christians in Rome. And we're going to pick up in his letter um, towards the end. And it says here, it starts off in Romans chapter 12, in this letter, he starts off with these words, therefore. And when you hear the word therefore, you kind of wonder what it's there for. And so you have to actually know What's gone before? And we're not going to cover that today. But Romans is an amazing letter. I'd encourage you to have a look at it. It can be rather confusing. Um, in some spots, you have to read it a couple of times. But overall, this letter, Paul is talking so much about God's grace, God's kindness, God's mercy. He says to the Romans how once you were dead and you're now alive, once your future didn't look so great, but Jesus has resurrected and gone to heaven and that is for you too in time to come. He, he's, he's talked about God, God's mercy, God's grace and what Jesus is coming offers you and I. And after all of that, In the first 11 chapters of Romans, in the first um, part of this letter, he says, "Therefore." Therefore, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. You know, something that breaks my heart, really breaks my heart, is that so many of us, So many of our students and families here at this school and so many people in our society have the wrong picture of God. Some of us grew up in spaces and places perhaps where the picture of God was an angry God, a punishing God, a harsh God, a God who causes pain and suffering. But this is not my God. This is not the God that I believe the Bible talks about when you look at the big picture of who God is. Our picture of God is so important. Because if our picture of God is a harsh, punishing, distant, unkind God, our faith and our relationship will be a disaster. In fact, it's most likely we'll kick it in the trash can eventually. You see, Paul clearly here reminds us God is a merciful God. Previously, he talks about God's kindness. And to me, mercy and kind is a long way away from harsh, angry, Paul wants to remind the people in Rome, after all of that, after he says, in view of what I've just told you, which was this, in view of God's mercy, he says, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, when it comes to sacrifice, both the Jews and the Romans knew all about sacrifice. Back in those days... Sacrificing animals was a common thing in both of these communities, in both of these cultures. Um, I'm really grateful that it's not like that today, I must say. But it was back then. And so these words were a visual picture to the church in Rome at the time, to these people. It was a visual picture. And perhaps when they looked at that, they would have thought about the sacrifice, the animals um, giving up their lives. And thought, what does it mean? And realizing that Paul is saying, I want you to be like that. I want you to give up your life. Not actually, but I want you to give up your life. Give it over as a sacrifice to God. Basically say, God, here I am. Use me. Do with me as you wish. Here's a blank check. It's like surrendering ourselves, our desires, our wants, our decisions, our plans, our life. And you could say, well, who would do this? Like, who would offer? And Paul says... Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And he's going on to say um, true and proper are two words that we find in the English translation of the Bible. However, in the original text, in the Greek text, true and proper are one word. And that one word is logikos. So if you think of that logikos, perhaps there's a word that jumps to your mind quickly, and that is logical. He's basically saying this is the most logical thing to do. When you consider God and who he is and his mercy and his grace and, and what Jesus, who 27 years ago did for you, when you consider that, this is the most logical thing to do. In fact, it would be more illogical not to give yourself over to God. It's perhaps the most reasonable thing to do. And then he goes on and he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. We've talked about that. The pattern of this world is upgrades and experiences. Upgrades and experiences. And then in and of themselves, they're not a bad thing. They're not a bad thing. But the challenge is for me and for you not to get distracted by them. But, he says, but, be transformed. And transformed, you won't be surprised, comes from a Greek word that says metamorpho. Metamorpho. You see, transformation, change. He says, I want you to engage in a process of transformation. And Simo last week shared, he finished... His talk with a story, and if you were here last week, I'm sure you remember. Stories are powerful things. But the story was about a tribe in, sou- in Ecuador, in South America, the Wa'odani tribe, and talked, Simo shared the story of how a man who wanted to share God with them went into that tribe. In fact, he was killed, but his family ended up living with that tribe, and that tribe who were known as a tribe that any intruder was killed, anybody who did anything that they didn't like was killed, which, you know, not a great way to save your your, your tribe in the long term. But that whole tribe became a Christian community and is thriving, and a thriving community. There was transformation, transformation because, or how, And it tells you here, by the renewing of the mind. There was a change because of a renewing of the mind. Now, it's really interesting. Over the last few years, in a number of conferences that I've been to, how there's so much research going on about the mind, about our brain, and what happens in our brain, and the power of our brain. And I don't think that's any coincidence, because God made us. And our brain is is just such an amazing part of our body. And Paul writes here, he says, you know, you want to know how to get what you really want? Then he says, transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not our behavior. We've talked about behavior before. Paul's talked about behavior. He talks about behavior by saying, What I do, it's actually not what I want to do. And then what I don't do, I do. You see, we're all the same. Trying to change our behaviour, we know our New Year's resolutions often only last ah, but a short time. But when we change our minds, our thinking there's much more chance our behavior will change. When I think back to, you know, talking what we said about fathers, when you think about it and you go, you know, what I really want is the respect of my children when they grow older, a a, a healthy respect, not a fearful respect, a healthy respect where they'll want to come and sit beside me and say, Dad, what would you do in this situation? That they might want to go and play a round of golf with me, that we could laugh together. And when you have that And you think like that, and you refer to that, it's going to change what you do. The same goes for students. When you think about what you really want in the future and what you value, it's going to change what you do now. The do is not the motivator. The motivator is the renewing of our mind, of where we put our focus it's interesting, M- Mark, my husband, is colourblind. Any other colorblind people in the room? I found out that Mr Wareham's colorblind too. He's one of our members of our church here, not here today. Um, men are much more likely to be colourblind than women, but it's passed on through women, if I'm right. Is that right? Where's Mark? Can't see him right now. There. Is that right? Yes. It's passed on through the genes of the mother, but... I always kind of find it fascinating. Like, what does Mark actually see? Like, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm guessing most of us here see this as bright red, but who knows what he sees. He knows it's red. Do you know that's red? Yeah, just checking. (laughs) Maybe if I had a green shirt on, he would think I'm wearing all green or all red. I should have done that. I didn't think about that. I had a green shirt. But... It's a fascinating thing. Like when we moved into our house last year, somewhere down the yard, we have a garden. And there's these kind of lily, I'm not a gardener, so, <laughs> but lily thingy things. And they have, s- they blossomed out with some red flowers. And I said to my oh, look at the beautiful red flowers down there. And it's quite a distance, given that. But he's like, what flowers? I can't see any flowers. There's no red, you know. Like it's just fascinating. You see a sunset and you try to say, there's all these different colours for him. It's, I don't know, it's not quite like it is, yeah. It's just fascinating. It does my head in. So you know, um, I've seen this before, and I'm sure you have too. But um, there are different people who've developed glasses for people who are colour blind to be able to see colour. Yeah. So I want to show you this little clip. I I went. I got distracted <laughs> the other night. <laughs> On uh, on YouTube, trying to just you know looking at these kind of things, and I was a bit I was a bit um I was already a bit clogged up, but by then all my sinuses had been cleaned, and you know. But let's just have a look. I think I think we got this little clip. We'll just play this clip. Hopefully, we'll get some Set volume. Loud. Wait, what color is this? It's orange. Oh, I thought it was What's the top one? Green. Top one looks orange. Me too. Green. Okay, <laughs> hey Jim, why don't you close your eyes for a few minutes and then put them on after a few minutes. Seconds. Jim got his new glasses by Enchroma. I'm not promoting Enchroma, which is happening to be. Stand by the towel. With Ryan too. That's going to really explode. Yeah, the towel's pretty. Close your eyes and then open them. Look at the towel and dad. What do you see? Tell us. What do you think, Jim? They're both colorblind. Jimmy, tell us what you see. So it so is like, bright! So check it out. It said if you wear them for a while... It'll, <laughs> it's so different! It'll train your brain to where maybe you see a color all the time. <laughs> 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 that towel's like completely different. Uh, that towel like... Who cut it there? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine myself in that spot and I kind of felt like after that I should go and buy Mark some glasses so any donation, $700 from America we can get a pair and we can watch Mark do that and Roger do that from the front hey? (laughs) and they'll be like wow, everyone wear green and red on that day and orange and wouldn't that be awesome but what I loved about this clip were three things that were said you might not have picked them up wow, it's so bright Wow, it's so different. And the dad in the background, you might not have heard, he said, it'll, they'll train your brain to be able to see color better. And think about the context which we've been just sharing this morning. And you think, you know what, if I choose to see the various elements of my life as God would see them, if I would seek to transform, be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that being seeing the various elements of my life as God would see them or as, as I perceive God would see them, there may be the word bright or things could be different Or it might just train my brain to see differently, more naturally. You see, I think the transformation that Paul is talking about here is simply this. When I see as God sees, I am more inclined... To do as God says. The do is second. The do is second. If you put the do first, if the do comes first, then the do will feel like eventually a very heavy backpack on your back. It will feel like a monkey that's always there that you cannot get off. And it will eventually lead to failure. Failure and frustration. Transformation, renewing our minds, seeing life differently, seeing life as God sees it. When we know the why, when we know what we value, we'll know what we really want and to get that, we can be transformed by changing our thinking. My mum and dad... (coughs) Where I grew up in the country, mum and dad saw that, and and they live in Toowoomba now. My parents are here today, actually. My dad and my mum, and I know some of you met them before. My dad, Athol, my mum, Pat. And uh (coughs) when I was a kid, every second week, my dad would be speaking in our little country church. So, um, yeah, most I learned, I learned from you two. Um, But my nana well, two things, my nana lived up where we lived and she had a couple of pieces of furniture and I look at my mum and dad's house now, most of it's new furniture, but there's two pieces of furniture in there that were my nana's and they look nothing like my nana had them. I think uh, my nana, she liked to change, I think purple, was that dresser purple or a pinky purple at one stage? A pinky purple, but it had a number of layers of paint on it, but it was silky oak, silky oak's quite a nice timber And then the chair that went with it, there were a number of chairs, but mum's only been able to salvage one. But, you know, when you redo furniture, the first thing you need to do with that pinkish and many layers of paint is what? Take it off. You need to take it off. You need to actually um, remove the old, sand off the old, and then you put on the new take off the old, put on the new. Take off the old, put on the new. When we transform, we take off the old, our immediate desires, our natural desires, and we put on the new, what we ultimately want, what I really want. This is transformation. And Paul finishes off and he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, perfect, pleasing, and perfect will. And many of us, especially young people, because I was once in my 20s, but many of us, and I know in my 20s, I desperately wanted to know what God's will was for my life. It was a really big question that I wrestled with. What does God want for my life? What does God want for my life? And at that stage is, does God want me to be a teacher? Does God want me to be a pastor? Does God want me to work in in International aid and development, like, what did God want me to do? That were the three things that I, I was dabbling in. But it's not the do. It's not the do, you see. God says here, then you will be able to test and approve. And again, in the Greek, that test and approve is one word, which means the critical examination of something. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. He's good, what's good for us. That's really important. How many of us sometimes think God is not wanting what's good for us? Well, we might not consciously think that, but many of us unconsciously think that at times, that God just wants to make my life bleh, no fun. Uh Uh-uh. He's good. God wants good for us. He's pleasing. He's satisfying. Perfect, and perfect in this context means growing up mature, growing up mature, desire for your life. You see, what is interesting is what I really want is most likely not far off what God wants for me. This is his will. When you dig away when you take the time out to really think, what do I value? What do I want to be remembered for? If I see life as God sees it, you will find yourself in God's will for your life. You will find yourself in God's will for your life. And I discovered that after I was living in London at the time, I was working in the East End, teaching Bengali children in the public system. I was even rollerblading. I was into rollerblading back then. Does anyone remember rollerblading? I used to rollerblade to school in the streets of London. I remember this one time. There was like, you know, the triangle. You you cross the road and there's that little triangular sort of refuge. I remember like face planting on my rollerblades on the way to school, right in front of this big truck. Oh man, I remember looking up and him looking at me. Anyway, yeah, distracted. Look at that. But I, I, I can almost remember the room. I, well, I can remember the room. I used to sleep on a mattress on the floor. You know, when you live in London as a young person, you have no money, and any money you have, you use it for travel. So we lived pretty humbly. In this east, I actually didn't live that far from West Ham Stadium. So if you're a soccer player, Saturday afternoons we could hear the the big games at West Ham Stadium. But um, I remember discovering that it wasn't about whether I was a pastor or a teacher. God's will for my life was that I lived in His presence every day. I chose Him every day. I wanted to see life as He life for my life every day, that was the simple will. And whether I was a teacher or a pastor or worked in some third world country, it didn't matter. You see, what I really want is most likely not far off what God wants for me. So we've been asking how, discover what you value, what's ultimate, what you really want, and then transform your thinking Start to see your life, your marriage, your work, your children, your money, your time. Start to see that as God would see it. And when you do that, the rest will just start to come into place. So as we end our series, there are three questions I want to leave with you. And Michael's got a little sheet. I'm not sure if I copied enough. It always surprises me at refresh. I kind of come in and then, you know, 20 minutes before, there's one or two people here or the people like our lovely visitors who didn't know we weren't, you know, they're here early and then all of a sudden there's an explosion. Never underestimate the power of God. So praise God that you're here today. You surprise me every time. Um, So maybe if we don't have quite enough, we can share between families. A little take-home sheet with some thoughts for today and some questions for you to consider to tuck away in a book or in your car when you're sitting at lights or you know, wherever is your quiet space, it might be for mums just in the shower at night. <laughs> um, for students, it might be in your bedroom when, when, you know, when you've been told to go to bed but you haven't actually gone to sleep. <laughs> what do I value? We've covered that question before. What would God want for my. And then for the next month, my challenge to myself and to you is to whatever your my is, and there are many aspects that could go in there, but I'm sure there's one or two things that might jump out. What would God want for my? And challenge yourself to start to see that the way God would want you to see it, the way God would see it. And as we go on to this year, 2018, I, I, I really pray that today in this series, you might see some, there's been change in your heart change in your thinking by the grace of god let's pray god we just thank you for a new year and as we started out this year at refresh challenging ourselves to really think what do we really want with our lives what do we want with 2018 what do we want with our marriages what do we want in our in our uni life what do we want as students at school what do we really want God, help us to realise that actually what we really want is probably not too far of what you actually want for us, what your good and perfect and pleasing will is for our lives. God, we seek um, uh, the, the ability to be able to see as you see these various elements of our lives, and the rest, we leave it over to you, knowing that you will transform us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.